Hi, and welcome back to Spatulas and Speculations. I am your unofficial Professor Lily, and this is the unofficial SGM 101. Now, today in this episode, this series title is really going to be working its name because we're going to start building the foundation and knowledge of SJM history and lore. And we're going to be starting with some really messy, messy family drama. Like, you know the people who produce The Bachelor? They would have had a run for their money with what happened between these four people in what seems to be relatively a short time. So, before we really get into it, uh, this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't finished reading House of Sky and Breath, if you haven't finished reading Alcatar, and because I am me and I don't know how to not talk about everything that pops into my head during these things, you probably should read Tog too, just because I, I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. So, we're going to start a two-parter episode because they sort of go hand-in-hand hand and they intertwine really seamlessly. Um, and it's also going to lead into what we're going to talk about after these two things as well because everything just connects to everything you'll find. But we're going to start the story of Finan, Thea, Peleus, and Adis. There's love. There's betrayal. There's brotherly love and some not-so-brotherly love. There's a lot of history, and it gets really, really confusing because someone is lying. Wow, this could be like an Agatha Christie novel, couldn't it? Sherlock Holmes? Who? You're going to find that I'm saying one thing, and your brain's going to get confused because of another thing, and I want you to know that that's okay because besties were in the same exact boat because I have once I got everything written down and noted, I was looking at it and I was like, uh, what in the timeline is this business? What is this nonsense, Sarah? And I know that there's going to be a lot of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey bull nonsense because the, the term through space and time is used so often when talking about the interconnection of worlds that time is not necessarily consistent um, between them, and also that the Asteri have lied and changed things. So, like, for example, the dating system that we see in the Doth's Truth Room is AE, whereas we see that Crescent City and Lunathan run off of a VE. So, like, even that sort of timeline is really confusing to try and figure out. And honestly, I don't think anyone other than Sarah could probably figure it out at this point. But you'll see what I'm talking about, and we're just going to jump into it. Now, before we start, I always like to throw in this little, you know, disclaimer. Uh, if I pronounce something wrong, I know. And you'll hear me say Finan. I actually know it's pronounced Finan. I hate that name. I hate that name so vehemently inside of my soul that I will say Finan until the day that I die. And that's just the way that it is. Luckily, his tail is quite short. So I don't need to say his name that often. Ugh, poor dude. Poor dude. Anyways, I know I say stuff wrong. I do try my very hardest. I look up pronunciation. The problem is... A lot of the mythology and lore that Sarah pulls from is Welsh, and Welsh is one of the hard... I, I speak German. I'm bilingual. I can speak German. Welsh would be harder for me to learn than German was. So that's my disclaimer. I know I pronounce things wrong. I do apologize if it really grates on your nerves. I could direct you to other theorists uh, if that is a big, big important thing. Just DM me and I'll slide you some names and I, no questions asked. You don't need to follow me. To start the epic tale, at the very beginning, we're going to be in Perithian. But while we're talking about the history of Perithian, a lot of our information is actually going to be coming from Midgard which is just interesting in its own right. But we're going to be in A Court of Silver Flames, Chapter 52. And this is when Rhys is telling the history of Perithian after Cassian and uh, Nesta have retrieved the harp and have come back, having talked to Lanthes. And they have some 
questions. Now, I am not glossing over what happened between Nesta and Cassian. We're going to talk about that next week in excruciating detail because that prison scene is so important. So, Reese says this, the Fae were not the first masters of this world. According to our oldest legends, most now forgotten, we were created by beings who were near gods and monsters, the Daglin. They ruled for millennia and enslaved us and the humans. They were petty and cruel and drank the magic of the land like wine. Reese's eyes flicked to Ataraxia, then to Cassian. Some strains of mythology claim that one of the fey heroes who rose up to overthrow them was Finan, who was given the great sword Gwydion by the high priestess Oleana, who dipped it into the cauldron itself. Finan and Gwydion overthrew the Daglin, a millennia of peace followed, and the lands were divided into rough territories that were predecessors to the courts. But at the end of those thousand years, they were at each other's throats, on the brink of war, his face tightened. Finan unified them and set himself as High King, the first and only High King this land has ever had. Then later down, Finan was betrayed by his queen, who had been the leader of her own territory, and by his dearest friend, who was his general. They killed him, taking some of his bloodline's most powerful and precious weapons, and then out of the chaos that followed, the seven high lords rose, and the courts have been in place ever since. Farah asked, Does Amran remember this? Rhys shook his head. Only vaguely now. From what I've gleaned, she arrived during those years before Finan and Gwydion rose, and went into the prison during the Age of Legends. The time when this land was full of heroic figures who were keen on hunting down the last members of their former master's race. They feared Amran, believing her one of their enemies, and threw her into the prison. When she emerged again, she had missed Finan's fall and the loss of Gwydion, and found High Lord's ruling. Now, to break down what I just read, and to just point out the important bits of information here, is Finan was one of many fey heroes who overthrew the Daglin Asteri. These other heroes include, but don't limit, Thea, Analius, and the Bone Carver's salvation. If you can remember, the Bone Carver had said that if he had not made a choice long ago, this particular fey woman would have been his salvation, but her bloodline now only lives through humans. She was the one who trapped his sister, Strigga, and confined Koshi to his lake. This this was a really cool lady. I can't wait until we find her name, but I, I, I don't know if we will ever find her name, but I feel like we're going to find her name. We learn in this passage that Gwydion, the star sword as we know after House of Sky and Breath, was made with the cauldron. We could probably infer also that Truth Teller was made by the cauldron as well. What's interesting is that later it says that they stole the queen and his general, stole Gwydion and other objects of his bloodline. That's probably the trove, except for the fact that the trove stayed on Perithian when Thea and uh, Peleus went to Midgard. So I'm almost wondering if there's something else we don't know about that might be missing. I've talked about this on my TikTok, and I'm going to do a whole in-depth video on the trove itself, but part of me wonders if the trove was not actually fey-made, but rather made by someone more nefarious. But we'll talk about that later. That's just, that's just my brain wandering. So we enter into the Age of Legends. What's so interesting about this is that, one, Gwydion was used to fight off the Daglin. Gwydion is also used to kill Valg. So this is a this is one of those little check marks on the, I don't know if you're keeping tally at home, but are Asteri Valg or are they not? Or are they Valg types? What's the difference between the Valg in Tog versus the Princes of, the, of Hell's pets? That's the running question. And you'll find there's a lot of similarities between the Asteria and the Valg, but there also are a few things that go like, eh, wait, probably not. But this is one of those things that goes, oh, maybe they are, because why, why would Gwydion be any more helpful than any other sword to fight off Asteria? 
So that's a good question. It's also an interesting question as to why did they want Bryce to have the sword <laughs> and not Rune if Rune can't quite use it. So it's interesting that they were pushing Bryce to have the sword. But anyways. So the first quartz are made and something really interesting about this is that we are missing a court. The seven high lords rose. We're missing one. So what happened? My thoughts are, and I'll, and I'll probably answer it more in depth in the next episode, but I'll tell you now because it, it was brought up, that the spell on the trove probably happened to all of the dust court, making everyone forget about the dust court, and Finan is dead. Poor Finan. But the most, most interesting thing about what Reese has just said is the Fae were not the first masters of this world, according to our oldest legends, most now forgotten. We were created by beings who were near gods and monsters and Daglin. That's a blatant lie. And what's interesting is that we have the truth of it. In Akatar chapter 13, when Farah is in Tam's study, and she's looking at this huge mural on the history of Perithian, the very beginning is a slender female hand pouring out the contents of a cauldron that had iridescent symbols. Where it spilled out was it started in the night court and overflowed elsewhere, which is really interesting. And that was the creation of the Fae. So if that was the creation of the Fae, which all of the rest of Perithian seems to acknowledge as the mother is creation, the cauldron is creation. We have mother spare us, you know, cauldron bless or, or cauldron boil me. And now all of a sudden we have the Daglin. I have a theory on why he said it this way. One is he does say some strains of mythology claim. So this could just be one source text of mythology. And I think specifically this source text is Illyrian. I'm gonna let that sink in for a second. Remember, Reese is half Illyrian, and the I think, and a lot of people disagree with me, that the Illyrians were the prototypes to the angels. I know we have the Seraphim, we're gonna get into it, don't argue with me, but the reason I think not is one, because of an alias, and two, because of the way Reese just said we were made. We know that the Asteri love to gene mix. I'm sure all of their creepy siblings have the same fascination. So my thoughts are that this particular story of Finan and Gwydion comes from maybe the Illyrian side of him rather than his high face side of him. Now we're going to go into Crescent City for the rest of our information, but something that Crescent City and I think also um, Akatar have in common is that someone has altered history. We're going to be reading a lot of lies, but there are grains of truth in it and we need to look out for the grains of truth because while they are lies, they are very telling lies and I guess we should just get into it. Also, I always say keep your ears open, listen to everything, you might pick up something. A lot of the information that we're going to get in Crescent City actually has to do with the horn. So I urge you not to just ignore the stuff about the horn, but to keep your eyes and ears peeled for what is around the information of the horn, because that's what we're mostly going to be focusing on. So we're going to be in House of Earth and Blood first, obviously, in chapter 14. This is when the Autumn King is getting Rune to look for the horn. This is just a classic, classic example of history being twisted. And something that you're going to notice is that Peleus is T-Mysteri. <laughs> for, I'm sure he had his own reasons, but he was T-Mysteri. He was fighting for and with the Asteri. And that shows. And this is what the Autumn King says. The horn was originally the possession of Peleus, the first starborn prince. That entire sentence is a lie, but we learn a lot through it. We learn that one... Um, Peleus was supposedly starborn, but I think that's not true. And two, we learn that the horn was supposedly the original possession of Peleus, according to Crescent City lore. Also a lie. Just a prime example of this history being twisted and to keep your... to not believe what's written all the time. 
House of Earth and Blood, Chapter 21, Rue and Bryce and Hunt are talking about the horn in Luna's temple, and we get quite a bit of information, and it's, this is what's said. Luna's horn was a weapon wielded by Peleus, the first starborn prince, during the First Wars. The Fae forged it in their homeworld, named it for the goddess in their new one, and used it to battle the demon hordes once they made the crossing. Peleus wielded the horn until he died. Rune put a hand on his chest. My ancestor, whose power flows in my veins. I don't know how it worked, how Peleus used it with his magic, but the horn became enough of a nuisance that for the demon princes that they did everything they could to retrieve it from him. Later on, but the horn was broken. It basically became a dud, right? Right, Rune said. During the final battle of the first wars, Prince Peleus and the Prince of the Pit faced each other. The two of them fought for like three fucking days until the Star Eater struck the final blow, but not before Peleus was able to summon all of the horn strength and banish the Prince of the Pit and his brethren and their armies back to hell. He sealed the Northern Rift forever, so only small cracks in it or summoning salts can bring them over now. Then later on, the horn cracked in two when Peleus sealed the northern rift. Its power was broken. The Fae and the Asteri tried for years to renew it through magic and spells and all that crap, but no luck. It was given a place of honor in the Asteri's archive, but when they established Lunathin a few millennia later, they had it dedicated to the temple here. Then later down, because Prince Peleus's starborn power was woven into the horn itself. Here's what I got from that. One. Peleus used the horn to fight for the Asteri to fight off Hell, who was helping Thea. Peleus and Apollyon fought for three days. This is an interesting note. There are a few particular battles that went on for three days throughout all three series, and I'm really interested to see if all of those three battles somehow line up in the space-time continuum. Just a fun note. Peleus was killed by Apollyon, after Thea had been killed, the horn was broken. Peleus is not true starborn, so this could be why. And then we get a little bit more information of there's a difference between rifts and gates. Thea and her girls shut the gates, but Peleus was the one who shut the northern rift. In House of Earth and Blood, chapter 29, when Rune is looking into the history of the horn, we learn a little bit more about Peleus and his particular relationship with one of Thea's daughters. This is just a three-page account of Prince Peleus and his bride, Lady Helena, but I didn't realize that Peleus was actually the high general for a fae queen named Thea when they entered this world during the crossing, and Helena was her daughter. From what it sounds like, Queen Thea was also starborn, and her daughter possessed the same power. Thea had a younger daughter with the same gift, but only Lady Helena gets mentioned. Rune cleared his throat and read, Night-haired Helena, from whose golden skin poured starlight and shadow. It seems like Peleus was one of several fae back then with the starborn power. Bryce blinked. So, what does that have to do with the horn? It mentions here that the sacred objects were only made for fae like them, that the horn worked only when that starlight flowed through it, when it was filled with power. This claims that the starborn magic, in addition to a bunch of other crap, can be channeled through the sacred objects, bringing them to life. I sure as fuck have never been able to do anything like that, even with the Star Sword. Ooh, so much stuff just happened. Oh my goodness, there's so much information. One, Peleus was married to Helena, Thea's daughter. Two, Peleus was actually Thea's general. He is not royal by any rights. Three, Thea was the Starborn Queen. Four, we get the mentions of the missing unnamed daughter for the first time. This only happens twice, I believe. She had the same gifts as Thea and Helena. The horn only worked with Starborn and other crap. So here's my thought on Peleus. And this will get a little bit confirmed further down as we go. But here's the baseline. I don't think that Midgard has a distinction of light powers. I think they see light and think starborn, when in actuality, there's roughly three different light powers on Perithian. We have starborn, daycourt, and dawn. What's interesting is, while on Midgard, they only think they have one type of light power, 
on Perithian, they think there's only two. So there are times when Farah is lighting up like a newborn star and they're like, uh, I guess it's day court, but doesn't seem right. But they're like, that's the only thing that we know. So I guess good enough. When in actuality, Farah is exuding dust court powers. So I think that Peleus actually was most likely day court Fae. And I think this for a multiple different reasons, but one of the reasons I think this is because the horn was specifically said to be made for starborn Fae, and yet when he used it, it broke. So I'm thinking that Thea was originally using the horn, so it was awake. It had starborn power in it. When Peleus went to use it, it still had that remnant starborn power, and he just crammed his decor power in there, and it worked just enough for one use and then broke because it wasn't actual starborn power. I think that Peleus hid behind his bride. That's probably why he forced her to marry her is so that he could use her starborn abilities to set himself up. I don't think he was truly starborn. And we're going to read more about that coming up. In chapter 34 of House of Earth and Blood, when Rune, Hunt, and Bryce are in Luna's temple, when they find the young priestess dead, this is what can be gleaned from this conversation. But the horn can only be used by Starborn Fae. By you, Rune. Hunt's wings rustled. So maybe they're looking for some way around the Starborn shit. Honestly, Rune said, I'm not sure I could use the horn. Prince Peleus possessed what was basically oceans of starlight at his disposal. I bring this up because one, Peleus had an ocean of starlight. Is that true, Sarah? Why, why do I not just, why don't I believe it? Like, why do I think they are lying about it? Well, I, I can see why. If people, okay, Daglin dead, right? They are ruling somewhat in peace. We can somewhat assume that maybe Finan was Starborn because he originally had Gwydion. And then somehow, because Peleus seems like a garbage human being, or male, he's not human, he kills his bestie. And then there's, you know, a war going on about crossing or not crossing. And Thea's trying to, like, be like, hey, these people are Daglin, they're saying there's something else, but they're really Daglin. Like, we don't want to be vibing with these people. Let's go back home. And some people are like, eh, it's a cool new world. Let's vibe. Let's party. And so they get split up into fractions. If Peleus was working with the Asteri, the Asteri are probably like, well, just pretend you're starborn. And people will be like, well, we're going to be with the starborn king. He has this and this, and we're going to follow him. And they're like, hey, yo, Thea's actually the starborn person. We should be fighting for her. Plus, she has hell on her side. Like, you're going to fight hell? Crazy, dude. And he's just like, mm, give me your daughter. I don't know. <laughs> so I can see how they were probably like, well, your power is close enough to the other fae on our planet who don't know any better. And if we give you the right tools and you steal her daughter, we could just pretend. And he was like, yeah, sounds good. I want to be a king. I'm tired of being an underling. And they're like, hey, we'll set you up, but you have to fight for us. And he was like, okay. And they set him up. So that's why I don't believe he's starborn. I just, I also don't want him to be starborn. I really don't. Give him some lame power. Why did he have to be related to Rune? Why did Rune have to look up to him? Ugh. <laughs> in house of earth and blood chapter 87 this is when bryce accepts her starborn gift and she's gates she says this her blatant disinterest in learning about anything related to the first starborn prince peleus and queen thea had bordered on suspicious she feared and when he laid the star sword on the table in the gallery library it had hummed shimmering she had to physically pull back to avoid the instinct to touch it to answer its silent, lovely song. Her sword. It was her sword. And runes. And with that light in her veins, with the star that slumbered inside of her heart, the star sword had recognized her, not as a royal, 
worthy fay, but as kin, kin to those who had forged it long ago. This is just a prime example that Bryce's light is different than Rune's. And again, would Midgard know the difference between day and dawn's light? I don't think so. Why did the Star Sword wake up for Bryce? If all it was looking for was another starborn fae, Rune should be good enough, correct? This is a question I don't have an answer to. This is something I'm working out with you. So there's that. Now, in the House of Earth and Blood epilogue, we get Adis and Jezebel talking about the finally ending the reign of the Asteri, and we get more of what I'm trying to say. And they say this, I thought Thea's light was forever extinguished. So did I. I thought they made sure she and her power died on that battlefield under Prince Peleus's blade. His eye glowed with an ancient rage, but Bryce Quinlan bears her light. You can tell the difference between Bryce's starlight and her brother's? I shall never forget the exact shine and hue of Thea's light. It is still the song in my blood. Okay, now we're getting into the more messier bits. One, again, different shine, different hue between Bryce's true starlight and what Peleus had that Rune has. Oh, is there, is he not starborn? I don't want to say that Rune isn't starborn, but if Rune is actually a dark bringer, as we learn Kier and Resar, um, they have night. It's night power. It's this night sky in their power. Even Kier's dark bringers have like little wisps of night, just like Rune. So could his starborn ability actually just be darkbringerness? I don't know. Okay, back to the actual topic at hand. Adis and Thea were mates. I believe that so firmly that if it's not true, I will quit. I will quit everything. If this is not true, I'm packing it in. The tabs are going away. The spatula will be used purely for cooking. I will sell the microphone. If Thea and Adis are not mates, I know nothing at all. That's a broad, that, that, that's a heavy-handed statement, but it's true. The term song of my blood, so many warning signs are flashing in my head. But if Thea and Adis are mates, that opens up a world, a world of questions. Can you guess the first one on my mind? Where did they meet? Think about it. I mean, I'm going to tell, I'm getting ahead of myself. But when did Thea and Adis truly meet? Truly meet to the point where Adis was willing and successfully unified his brothers, who are all fighting, all seven layers of hell, and rode to her aid. I mean, sure, they were already fighting the same war, but he did it for her. That's not casual. That's not nothing. Adis and Thea were mates. It also opens up to the question, who are the father of... Thea's children, her two children. Finan was never mentioned to have children in Perithian lore. They aren't mentioned once. They're only mentioned in Crescent City. These daughters were already full-grown. So what is the timeline between them shutting the gates and Finan dying? I don't know. What is the timeline between them shutting the gates and Thea dying? Because in it had to be pretty short because Thea, I'm getting ahead of myself again, but I'm already on the roll. Thea didn't know what Pelis had done to Helena. She would never have let that happen. So now we're going to go into Hosab, and this is when it was starting to get messy with Thea and Adis being mates and Pelias marrying Thea's daughter and a missing daughter. Oh my goodness, it's going to get worse. 
Peleus gets worse. It's like, how can he get worse? Like, how, uh, how does he get worse? But he does. Also, we get to learn more about my favorite dude in the Crescent City universe, which is Apollyon. I think he is amazing. I love him. So we're going to start, <laughs> we're going to start in chapter 15. And this is when Regulus is posing as Cat Atis in Bryce's apartment. And he says this, I remember the last Starborn Queen, Thea, and her powers. He seemed to shudder. Your light is her light. I'd recognize that luster anywhere. I'm assuming you have her other gifts as well. What other gifts? <clears throat> Psst. 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 Cat Regulus. I mean, Atis. I mean, <laughs> Regulus was whiskers. Um, please... Please tell me. Excuse me. What, uh, what other powers, sir? Are you trying to tell me that Bryce has some untapped abilities we don't know about other than just shining a flashlight through her boobs? Sir? Explain? Anyways. You knew the last Starborn Queen? Rune asked, starlight glinted among his shadows, shimmering down the length of the sword. Aedas's eyes now flared with a strange sort of rage as he looked upon the fey prince. I did, and I knew that sniveling prince whose light you bear. <clears throat> a ripple of stunned silence went through the room. Rune, to his credit, didn't back down an inch. But from the corner of Hunt's vision, he noted Ethan and Therian creeping into monitoring positions behind the prince of the chasm. Bryce said, more to herself than the demon prince, I hadn't realized there had been individualized starlight. I always thought mine was only brighter than yours. She frowned at Rune. I guess it makes sense that there could be a, a nuance to the light amongst Fae that got inbred. Thea's elder daughter, Helena, had that gift and married Prince Peleus, your ancestor. He's your ancestor too, Rune muttered. Peleus was no true prince, Aedas spat, fangs bared. He was Thea's high general and appointed himself prince after he forcibly wed Helena. Queen Thea allowed this? Thea was dead by that point, Aedas said flatly. Peleus slew her, he nodded at the star sword in Rune's hand, and stole her blade when he finished. He snarled. That sword belongs to Thea's female heir, not the male offspring who corrupted her line. Bryce swallowed audibly, and Rune gaped at his blade. I never heard any of this. The Fae Prince protested, and Aedas laughed coolly. Your celebrated Prince Peleus, the so-called first starborn prince, was an imposter. Thea's other daughter got away, banished into the night. I never learned of her fate. Peleus used the star sword and the horn to set himself up as prince and pass them on to his offspring. The children Helena bore through to him through rape. That very horn was now tattooed onto Bryce's back, and a chill went down Hunt's spine, and his wings twitched. Peleus's craven blood now runs through both of your veins, Ada said to Rune, and so does Helena's, Rune shot back. Then recited, Night-haired Helena, whose golden skin poured starlight and shadows. Bryce clicked her tongue, impressed. You memorize that passage? Rune scowled, as if annoyed, and she focused on that when the demon prince was before them. But Bryce asked Adis, why are you telling us this now? Ada shimmered with rage. Because I was powerless to help then. I arrived too late and was vastly outnumbered. And after it was over, that's when I asked my eldest brother for a favor, to face Peleus on the battlefield to wipe him away from this world. Ada paced a few steps, tail swishing. I tell you this now, Bryce Quinlan, so that the past does not repeat itself. Are you doing anything to help this endless war? You mean the rebel cause? Therian asked, face taunt with disbelief and dread. Aedius didn't take his eyes off of Bryce as he said. It's the same war we fought 15,000 years ago, only renewed. The same war you fought, Hunt Anthelar, in a different form. But the time is ripe again to make a push. Ethan said slowly, hell is our enemy. Is it? Aedius laughed, ears twitching. Who wrote the history? The Asteri. Therian said darkly. Adis turned an approving eye on him. You've heard the truth in some form, I take it. 
I know the official history of the world is not necessarily to be believed. Adis left off the counter, trotting to the coffee table again. The Asteri fed their lies to your ancestors, made the scholars and philosophers write down their version of events under penalty of death, erased Thea from the record. That library your former employer possesses, he said, turning to Bryce, is what remains of the truth of the world before the Asteri, and the few brave souls who tried to voice that truth afterwards. You knew that, Bryce Quinlan, and protected the books for years. Yet you have done nothing with that knowledge. What the fuck? Ethan asked Bryce, and Adis only asked. What was this world before the Asteri? Therian said. Ancient humans and their gods dwelled here. I've heard the ruins of their civilization are deep beneath the sea. Adis inclined his head. And where did the Asteri come from? Where did the Fae, or the Shifters, or the Angels come from? <sighs> so much information all right let's break down again notes of different light and power it said he was an like it said that it says that peleus was literally an imposter like am i right or am i right <laughs> i i am i i don't ever think i'm truly right so if i'm ever wrong about something and we learn it later on like no skin off my back except for the fact that if adis and Thea weren't mates, then I'll be done. Like, that that's a hard one for me. Also, more being starborn is a hard point for me. Like, if I'm wrong about that, then I'm, I'm quitting. Like, I obviously don't deserve this microphone. So, we learn again timeline stuff. Peleus married Helena after Thea had died. The starborn heirloom belongs to the female heir. Could the Dust Court be a matriarchal society? That's just something that I'm questioning. So, Hell came after Thea was on Midgard. The gates had shut, but the rifts hadn't in question. So, here's what I'm wondering. One, where was Adis? Why wasn't he there when Thea needed him? What was he doing? Why was he MIA? Second, so this is where the timeline gets kind of confusing. If Peleus was the one who shut the northern rift and pushed back Hell and the brothers of Hell, but Adis wasn't there, did Apollyon come afterwards and through through one of the cracks in the rifts? And if that's true, him killing Sirius and Peleus happened after the war. So that could explain the timeline continuity problems I'm having. Because you'll find that, as we learn later on in the Dust Court Truth Room, I should just read it. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back. We get a little bit more information about Apollyon and the history that I was just talking about in Hosab chapter 62 in a conversation in a dream, quote-unquote dream, version of Parthos that Apollyon is talking to Bryson. And he says, you do not trust us. Good. Thea did, and it was her downfall. The Starborn Queen? Yes. Adis's great love. Bryce started his what? Apollyon waved a bored hand to the ruined world around them. Why do you think I slew Peleus? Why do you think I went on to devour Sirius? All for him, my foolish, lovesick brother, in such a rage over Thea's death at Peleus's hands. His folly lost us that phase of the war. Bryce had to blink. I'm sorry, but please back up. You summoned me into this dream to tell me about how Aedas, Prince of the Chasm, was the lover of Thea, the first starborn queen, even though they were enemies. They were not enemies. We were her allies. She and some of her fae forces allied with us against the Asteri. And then later on, you're right, it's not a useful debate, so answer my question. Why the hell are you telling me any of this stuff about Aedas and Thea? If he spoke true and Hell hadn't been their enemy back then, whatever side Thea had ruled, she had been against the Asteri, and Peleus had killed her, fighting for the Asteri. Her mind spun. No wonder nobody knew about Thea. The Asteri had likely erased her from history, but a fae queen had loved a demon prince, and he had loved her enough to... Bryce stops talking, not me. <laughs> so we learn that Thea had trusted Hell to be there, and they didn't. I don't think necessarily when he says that it's a good thing Bryce doesn't trust them, it's because they're untrustworthy. I think it's because, for whatever reason, Thea was counting on them being there for her, and for whatever reason, they couldn't, and she died because of it. So, I, I don't think it's because Hell 
is backstabby. I think because they did let her down in some form, but not necessarily maliciously, unless Thanatos, the other brother, is, like, is somehow, like, playing both sides, but, like, that's, like, so deep into theory lore that I, I, don't get me started at all, so you won't be able to bring me back out through this episode. So, we learn that Apollyon obviously cares for his brother enough to kill Peleus and Sirius the Asteri. Okay, let's get into timeline stuff. In Hosab 72, Bryce is in the Dust Truth room learning about the Asteri, and this is, this is, this is what I've been trying to talk about in, before, and now I actually can't talk about how this is messy timeline-wise. I do not understand the continuity of what is happening. Bryce thinks this. Hell, lost AE 1701. She had to sink into one of the chairs as she read the note. A dark, cold world with mighty creatures of night. They saw through our lures, once warring factions, the royal armies of hell united and marched against us. We were overwhelmed and abandoned their world, but they gave us chase, learned from our captive lieutenants, how to slip between the cracks in the realms. Bryce had dimly aware of her shaking body, her shallow breaths. They found us on Midgard in 1702. They tried to convince our lured prey of what we were, and some fell to their charms. We lost a third of our meals to them. The war lasted until nearly the end of 1703. They were defeated and sent back to hell, far too dangerous to allow them access to this world again. Though they might try, they developed attachment to the Midgard colonists. Thea, Bryce whispered hoarsely. Aedas had loved the Fae Queen, and Hell had come to help, exactly as Apollyon had said. Hell kicked the Asteri from their own world, but, tears stung her eyes, the demon princes had felt a moral obligation to chase after the Asteri so they may never prey on another world, to spare others. So the Asteri were in Hell in 1701. They got to Midgard through the rifts in 1702. Hell gained allies and fought for one year on Midgard before Peleus banished them and broke the horn. Unsure of the exact timeline of when and where Aedas and Thea met, unsure of the timeline of when did Apollyon kill Sirius and Peleus, my thoughts are this. Now I can actually get into this. We learn that with Aedas, when he goes through the cracks, he can only be in his secondary form, which is a cute little white kitten. Um, I do not think that Apollyon is a cute little black kitten when he goes through the cracks. I'm actually starting to be inclined to believe he's actually a wavern, like Abraxas. His wings are a big point. So when he says that he devoured Sirius... I think he literally ate her. <laughs> I think he literally took a bite, like, nom nom nom, into my belly you go. So that's my thought. So I think that it probably happened a couple years after the first war, though we don't get confirmation. Um, and I think that he probably killed them in his secondary form. But then again, like I said, the timeline is just really wonky and I don't understand it because if that's not true, then all of this is happening within the Assyri were in hell. Three years later, they've conquered Midgard. So in that time, in that three-year time, they went from one world to another. They opened up the gates for the crossing. Thea figured out who they are. Thea and her daughters close the gate. One daughter goes missing. The other one stays there. Thea gets killed, and then her other daughter gets taken captive by Peleus. Peleus forces her to recognize him as her husband so that he can claim the royal title. And then they have children, uh, and then he ends up dead. If that happens within the first three years, and it's insinuated that Peleus and Helena had multiple children... Uh, Homeboy worked fast, which doesn't make any sense because Faye have longer pregnancies than humans. So I'm going to need um, Sarah to draw out the actual timeline in great detail for me, please. So we get a little bit more timeliney stuff that I'm talking about right now, more confusing things. Bryce is in the, in the Dust tr Truth room and Regulus is telling Bryce 
the true history of the gates. Why do you want me here? To open, open the rifts. Her blood froze. I can't. Can't you? Interesting that he says rifts and not gates, because if you remember in, this is just a fun little note for you. Um, in Koa, I can't remember what chapter it is, but Eroin is talking to Urene, and he's talking about the Death Maidens, and he's like, uh, we had those Death Maidens rip apart the world into three bits, and he wants to do, and Regulus wants Bryce to do basically the same thing. Uh, fun little note. So Bryce, Starborns are probably Death Maidens, which are just like Urene, which is, mm, getting out of myself, continue on. Lillian, stop getting off focus. You are so horrible. Can anyone even follow one of these podcasts all the way through? Please let me know because I feel like I am insane. The cold voice slithered through the intercom. You are starborn and have the horn bound to your body and power. Your ancestors wielded the horn and other fey objects that allowed them to enter this world, stolen, of course, from their original masters, our people. Our people who built fearsome warriors in that world to be their army, all of them prototypes to the angels in this one, all of them traitors to their creators, joining the fey to overthrow my brothers and sisters a thousand years before we arrived on Midgard, they slew my siblings. Her head spun. I don't understand. Midgard is a base. We open the doors to other worlds to lure their citizens here. So many powerful beings, all eager to conquer new planets, not realizing that we were their conquerors. But we also opened the doors so that we might conquer those other worlds as well. The Fae Queen Thea and her two foolish daughters realized that, though, too late. Her people were already here, but she and the princesses discovered where my siblings had hidden the access points in their worlds. Rage rippled through his every word. Your starborn ancestors shut the gates to stop us from invading their realm once more and reminding them who their true masters are. In this process, they shut the gates to all other worlds, including those to hell, their salt world allies. So we have been trapped here, cut off from the cosmos and all that is left of our people. Though our mystics beneath this palace have long sought to find any other survivors, any planets where they might be hiding. So I'm just going to throw in a little special note here. Um, Anelius held the line against an enemy army while waiting for Fey allies, and he did make it to the Stone for Meal, but no body, no death with SJM. So I just wanted, to, I have that written in my notes, that it lines up with what he says about the, the army that they had created. I seriously think that that is, um, the Illyrians. So here, okay, so here's the rundown of what happened Lillian's version. You know, Taylor Swift has, you know, in parentheses, Taylor's version. This is, in parentheses, P.S., Professor Lily's version. In the beginning was a super cool woman with a sweet manicure. It glowed. She dumped out her really cool bucket that was full of stuff, just like you find at the dentist's office. And from the contents of the bucket raised super sexy, high fey people. And they had sweet powers. And their mom was like, hey, watch mommy's bucket. She's going to go out and have some me time for like a couple million years. But like, be good. Watch mommy's bucket. I'll come back because obviously the mother's coming back. And they're like, hey, mom, you deserve a break. You just created us. Like, that seems like some hard ass work. Have fun. You deserve it. And she's like, peace. Love you. Bye. And then they're all hanging around drinking from mom's bucket. And then all of a sudden a spaceship meteorite somehow, uh, crash land. And these people are like, Hey, we saw your mom out. And they're they're like, what? We don't know you. And they're like, yeah, your mom said we should watch you. We're here. We're your babysitters now. And the Fae are like, I mean, mom didn't say anything about a babysitter, but like, I don't know. And they're like, it'll be fine. Um, but instead of your mom paying us with money, you're actually going to give us your magic to eat because we're super hungry. And if you're like, ooh, no hard pass, thanks. Um, I have fire at my fingertips. My best friend, he has water shoot through his nose. And I have a buddy who can shapeshift and his sex life is amazing. So we're, we're cool. Um, we've been fine. You can, if you see our mom again, like you can tell her that we're totally fine. We miss her, but like she should still be having a fun time because like creating an entire world, hard work, and she's done it before. 
So she definitely deserves a vacation. And the tagline are like, ooh, sorry guys. It's not cool to leave people unattended like that. Your moms are not really a good mom. So we're going to pretend she doesn't exist anymore. And we're going to be your parents. And the figure are like, oh, you guys kind of suck. And they're like, well, either obey us or we're going to sick nightmare fuel on you. And they're like, oh, I don't like either option, but they had no choice but to let that happen because it was either that or let Lanthes talk them to death with all of his mist. And so they had to pick the other option. In this time, there's a rip in the sky. Creatures are coming in left and right. They're all awful. <laughs> uh, some They all call themselves gods and they just kind of like wreck up everybody's lives. But like, it is what it is. Until one day at the tavern, this one dude, Finan, and his buddy, um, Analias, and their other girlfriend, girl who's a friend, we don't have her name, but she's just some dude's salvation, or would have been salvation. And they're like, mm, uh, I really wish that these people that supposedly mom sent us would go away. And they're like, yeah, it's too bad they have mama's bucket. And they're like, well, what if we stole mom's bucket back? And they basically, I'm assuming, stole their mother's bucket back. And then they had their other friend dip uh, a sword into it. And they gave it to the eldest, I'm assuming. I don't know how they picked Finan out of all people to have the star sword. And he was like, dope, let's go. And they went hard. And they somehow destroyed these immortal super powerful beings so everything's good everyone's having fun these people rise up they're like we're gonna slay our old babysitter's friends that lingered around in mom's basement before mom gets home and like life is fine life is good right well mm, not necessarily um, a thousand years go by of this, and one of the people, probably Kier's ancestor, because Kier's a dick, so, like, I'm assuming everyone in his family except for Moore is a dick, and he's like, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm bored, and Finan's like, go to therapy, and he's like, ah, I'm an alpha male, I don't go to therapy, um, all of you are just weak for needing therapy, and Finan's like, dude, you should probably go to therapy, because, like, we all went through something really traumatic, and there's no point in fighting, but Kier's ancestor, assumingly, was like, nah, I don't want to. And Finan's like, fine, I will take over until mom gets home. And so he takes over. And that's that for now. Across the universe, a spaceship arrives in hell. Now, they try to break into hell's house, but their mom is not home <laughs> either. And they were in a gigantic pig pile. And these people tried to steal from their, their, the princess of hell's mom's house. And like, and they were really mean to their brothers. And like, they can be mean to their brothers, but like, you definitely can't be mean to their brothers because they will kick your ass. Like, they can kick their little brother's ass, but like, you can't even look at him weird without getting a deck in the face. So, the Asteri dip out from hell. They're like, wrong house, sorry, get in the getaway car, run away. But, like, they really, really pissed off the brothers. And so the brothers chased after them in their mom's van all the way to another planet. But, like, intergalactic highway business, it took a little while. But they did find them. But they t somehow pit-stopped to get gas at that one place. And they, there was a high king. And the high king had, like, a super foxy, awesome lady ruling by his side and one of the brothers like mm, had a crush on her and they're like well uh I like you and she's like I like you too but like I don't know I don't know what happened I have no idea what happened between them but they're like well we're looking for these people have you seen them and they're like no we haven't seen it like our mom was gone too and like a few years ago we had issues but like we haven't had issues in the thousand years and they're like okay well we have to keep going because like we got some ass whooping to do and they're like cool they keep going on their intergalactic road trip. And then on Midgard, the Asteri find this place, but it has no food. It is no food. It has like these, they're like, they're meat eaters and there's only vegetarians. And they're like, well, we're going to order some pizza. 
So they open the gates and they're like, hey, we're having a party, but you have to bring your own food. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Come over here. And everyone's like, hey, we love parties. Our mom is still gone. Like, let's party it up. And Theo's like, oh, hey, do you remember those dudes that were here? And they were looking for some dudes. I think these were those dudes. And her husband was like, eh, we should just party anyways. And she's like, no, this seems like a bad idea. And also your best friend is like whispering evilly to them. And he's like, eh, fine. And then he turns his back and then he gets um, stabbed. <laughs> but Theo's like, damn, hardcore Peleus. Like he was a noob, but like you didn't have to kill him. But she takes his stuff because it's either she takes it or he takes it. And Peleus is a dick, right? Anyways, Theo's like, okay, well, we, this is bad. We need to get home. And she's like, okay, girls, like, this is not a fun party. Let's leave. They try to leave. They almost leave. Something happens. They shut the gate. But one daughter's on one side. The other two are on the other. Not looking good. Hell still hasn't showed up. Um, Peleus is looking eviler by the, the day. And they're all fighting over pizza. Nopin's mom is showing up. Peleus is like, well, I want your daughter because I need her. And Thea's like, please, bro, we're the same age. This is not cool. And he's like, mm, I know it's not cool, but also I'm really, really tired of working for you. And Thea's like, look, bro, if you don't want to work for me, just go somewhere else. And he's like, no, nah, it's not good enough because if you're still alive, people are going to follow you and I need them to follow me. So like, you got to go. And Thea's like, I really am not going to let that happen. And, like, plus my super badass Prince of Hell boyfriend is gonna come show up any minute now. He told me. Peleus is like, well, before he gets here, I'm gonna kill you. And he does. He totally does. And then the Princes of Hell show up. Aedis freaks the fuck out. Because <laughs> his girlfriend's dead. And he's, like, so distraught that, like, he doesn't even think about what's happening. And they lose part of their war. And Peleus is like, be back! The power of the Asteri push you away. And they're like, and Hell's like, oh, I hate that light. We don't like light. We live in the basement of our mom's house. Like, oh, get away. And so they get away. But then um, at, when they're back in Hell, um, Aedis is like crying and Apollyon is like, bro, I hate that someone hurt you. Only I'm allowed to hurt you. So I'm going to be a cool big brother. And But don't tell anyone that I'm cool. Um, and then I like you. Um, and I'm going to go take care of this business. And he, like, sneaks out and sneaks across the world. And he totally does take care of some business. Like, he didn't just beat up someone for making fun of his brother. He he he, he destroyed some people for, for hurting his brother's girlfriend. Like, oh boy. He was not happy. He was not a happy brother. And so he does it, but he can't stay long. And um, he goes back home to his brothers. And they all seethe about their pride being wounded and all that good stuff and on Midgard the houses rise up and that's the way it's been ever since <laughs> so that, that that's the that's the messy story and I think I got so here are my lingering questions I'm back to um professor mode <laughs> are the Daglins still alive trapped under the sister peak sleeping we don't know how many Daglin were on Perithian I think it's safe to assume that it's a three. Mm, I don't know why, but I just feel it. It doesn't, like, in the history of Perithian, it doesn't actually say if they killed them. They just said that they, like, defeated them, fended off. The Asteri assume that they were, sl they were slain, but if we're back onto the Aristeri Val column, they could have pulled, like, an Irwin and Alina thing where, like, Alina trapped him under a mountain. Wait, now that I just said it out loud, I'm like, oh... Yeah. There's someone under those mountains. That's... Uh, okay. Anyways. <clears throat> the missing daughter. Where is she? Is she Reese's family line? Is she Dorian's family line? Where'd she go? Is she still out there? Is she still alive? I bet we're gonna learn a lot about her. Why didn't we get her name? Ugh, come on. Where was Adis when Thea was killed? That's my biggest question. What, like, why was he delayed? I want to know why he was delayed. Was he getting the other daughter out somewhere? What happened there? 
what's the timeline? Peleus had kids. Does that, like I was starting to theorize, did Apollyon come after the war to kill Peleus? Or was that all happening at the same time? If that's true, when did Thea actually die? Is the time different? Is, is the time so very different between... Because So there's gates. The gates are between worlds. And then we have the rifts in the realm, which is what the harp is doing with the 26 worlds that Meryl was talking about. So like time could be real funky with all of the history that I'm talking about. So I just need to know like how many kids, what was the timeline? When did this happen? Is it actually some timey-wimey stuff? And that's, those are my questions. That, that's, that's the history. That's everything we know about Thea, Peleus, Finan, and Aedas, and Apollyon. That's everything we know timeline-wise. And those are the questions that I have afterwards. Did I confuse you more? Did I explain anything? Was my, was Lily's version easy to follow? So that is the history of everything. Um, join me next week as I continue this lesson on the eighth court, the dust court, and everything that we know about the prison island, the Pegasuses, my theories. So we're going to do a lot of, we're going to do all the history of it, and then we're going to go into my theories on what's going to happen with the prison. And I'm so excited. That was like my favorite thing to research so far and get all the information on, mostly because I am an actual simp for the bone carver. And most of the stuff that happens in the prison revolves around him. So anytime I get to like read about him, I like am a happy camper. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, I am overjoyed to be doing this and to having these kind of conversations and I will see you next week. Goodbye.